This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we conclude our YA Coach Series with our softball and baseball coaches. Softball head coach Mikel Barnes and baseball head coach John Martin join the show. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Mikkel Barnes completed her seventh season as the head coach of the Bates College softball program in 2020, having taken over the position in January of 2014. In 2018, Barnes led the Bates softball team to its most wins in program history and the Bobcats' second appearance in the NESCAC tournament. Bates finished the season with an overall record of 20-14. The Bobcats returned to the NESCAC tournament in 2019, and the promising 2020 squad finished 6-2 in a pandemic-shortened season. Barnes played college softball at UMaine Farmington, and was the 2009 North Atlantic Conference Player of the Year. As a player, I never really thought about coaching. Um, I was really passionate about the game. I really loved being on a team. Um, But coaching in college was never, it never really crossed my mind as like, oh, hey, this is actually a profession, even though I had full-time college coaches for their careers. Um, It really kind of, kickstarted when so I graduated and I became a a high school math teacher at my uh, alma mater high school Brunswick high school and conveniently Bowdoin also uh, located in Brunswick and I knew that I just wanted to be a part of the game and um, in whatever capacity that was and so I um, I was able to coach um, in travel ball, uh, for the summer, they were looking for someone who could commit and, and a young female who could hopefully share some experience. Um, so that jump started things. And then obviously, uh, I reached out to Ryan Sullivan over at Bowdoin and, um, he knew me from my playing days. Um, and he was like, you know what? Why don't you come in? Um, we can always use extra hands. Uh, why don't you come in and, and see if if it's a good fit and just share some ideas. And we ended up, I think, talking in his office until maybe 1, 2 a.m. I mean, we just really hit things off. And uh, it was a great fit. Um, I actually volunteered. Um, and like I said, I just wanted to get my feet wet. And um, that first year coaching uh, under Ryan at Bowdoin, um, that really, really generated my interest in thinking like, okay, well, I love teaching high school math is great and all, but wasn't my passion. And so for me, coaching was just another form of teaching, uh, which I think we can all agree with. So were you still a high school math teacher while you were an assistant at Bowdoin? Was that overlapping? I I was, I was, those were some crazy days. So (laughs) I was living um, in Portland at the time And for the first like month plus of our season, we had to practice in the Farley Fieldhouse and our uh, practice times would sometimes go from, you know, sometimes we would have the earlier slot, but sometimes we'd go um, nine to midnight. And um, so, of course, following practice, we would debrief and I would leave Bowdoin around 1 a.m. I'd get home around 1 45 a.m and get up at 4 35 a.m to uh, do it all over again so after school i instead of going back to uh portland um and then having to come 
right back down to Brunswick for practice. I stayed uh, in my classroom until like 7 p.m. and then did a workout, grabbed a sandwich and and then uh, went to practice. So it was it was pretty crazy there, um, but I paid my dues. And I think that's what we all have to do if we're looking to get a, a job that's, you know, a dream. So how did the Bates opportunity arise for you? Uh, I believe I saw the job posting, um, you know, posted online and, and coach Sullivan had, had talked with me a little bit about it. Um, but then Kelsey Friedman, she was, I think she was going into her junior year and I had coached Kelsey in travel ball that summer prior. And I remember she sent me a text and, and, um, you know, the timing of when it opened, I was very lucky. I think I was 24 when I was hired. So super, super young. Um, and it was kind of just like a shot in the dark. I was like, you know what? I've got nothing to lose here. If anything, this will be a great experience to just put a resume together. Um, and then it, it started with the phone call. I remember, um, I had, uh, my phone interview during one of my geometry classes. And so I had another math teacher cover my class almost for like a sub. And, uh, and then I was brought on campus. And at that time, the campus interviews were pretty intense. It was about two and a half days, um, just interview after interview, after interview presentation, so on and so forth. And, um, you know, Bates and, and Kevin McHugh athletic director at the time took a chance on me and I could never, you know, I, I can't be more grateful for that. I'm curious, uh, coach Sullivan's still the coach at Bowdoin. So when Bates plays Bowdoin in softball, um, I mean, it's, it's already an intense rivalry, but for you, it must be crazy going up against basically, I assume one of, one of your mentors since you, you assisted right out of college there, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's gotten less weird over the years. Um, the first couple years we were, I was coaching against players that I had previously coached. So, you know, and you have these relationships, you have these connections. Um, I had a great experience at Bowdoin and, and I loved the team there. Um, but I was ready to, and, and I felt at the time, like I was ready, um, you know, to, to take on something of my own and, and build something of my own. And, um, you know, while Ryan's been a, a huge mentor and a, a great friend to me, um, it's definitely gotten less weird over the years. And, and I think we appreciate what each program, what each coach and, and the players alike bring to the table. Um, there's, there's a lot of respect there. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, really thankful for that. What was the biggest adjustment once you got to Bates running uh, the show, if you will? Oh, gosh. Um, got, you know, Aaron, it was really challenging and it still is. So when I was hired, I was hired in November, but I had to finish teaching that semester at Brunswick. So I actually didn't start until after um, I, give, I gave midterms at Brunswick, which was like mid-January. So the first... I didn't have, so therefore I, I missed two recruiting cycles. So my first two seasons, I didn't have one recruited class. I didn't have my first recruited class until my third season at which then um, that season prior to, it was the Kelsey Friedman, Brenna Callahan, the, our, those two pitchers who both graduated and there were no pitchers that were recruited underneath them. So my third season for my first recruited class, um, you know, it was, 
honestly, probably one of the biggest challenges that I've ever faced. And so it was not just learning the ins and outs of how to be a head coach, because there's so much more to it than I think what people realize. Um, I was also super young at the time. So trying to balance, you know, building relationships uh, with these student athletes while maintaining that order in which, you know, there's, there's a, there's a special balance that you need to maintain. And, um, and so that was challenging. So there was, there was a lot of things that were just like on the plate and uh, it took, it takes time and it doesn't happen overnight. And I think that was one thing too, Aaron, that I had never experienced before is that everything that I had ever strived for was almost kind of like instantaneous. You know, I, I, I was hired at Brunswick before I even graduated from UMF. And, um, so I was just constantly, I, I always just had this instantaneous, instantaneous gratification in what I was trying to do. That was not the case <laughs> for quite some time at Bates. And it was learning how to be okay with it being messy and just believing in the process and trying to share that belief. And fortunately, you know, I had some really great players who stuck with some really crappy times. And uh, I know that I wouldn't have been able to, you know, to get through it if I didn't have, you know, some of those student athletes who really just kept me above water. And, and hopefully I did the same for them. You were a catcher in college, right? Yes. How much, how much do you take your experience or your playing days to relate to, you know, the catchers on this team or even the pitchers? Because the catchers work with the pitchers so much, right? Right, right. I think catchers... Um, well, you just mentioned, I used to be a catcher, so I'm, I'm a little bit biased here, but I think catchers have this innate leadership um, that, you know, they're kind of the general on the field. They're kind of the extension of the coach. Um, and for me, transitioning from that playing position to now coaching, I feel like I've always had a voice and I've always felt comfortable in using my voice as, as a player, um, obviously as a coach now. Uh, so I, I feel like it was a really that transition was really nice because a lot of the skills that I use from catching, you know, from that leadership standpoint, I was able to translate into, you know, coaching and, and what have you. We touched on, you know, one of your mentors, the coach over at Bowdoin, but I mean, any other people you've really gone to in your career so far to seek advice and whatnot? Definitely. Definitely. I have been so blessed with not just some of the best mentors, but who have people who have really grown to be some of my best friends. Um, Pat Conlin at Georgetown uh, University. She started the program at Georgetown. Um, she's also the the vice president of um, our National Coaches uh, Fast Pitch Association. Um, she played in the World Series in Oklahoma as a student athlete at UConn. Um, it. Coach Pat is, has really um, taught me to lead with compassion and lead with empathy and communicate and listen. And, um, you know, that's something that I still strive to improve. Um, you know, that's going to be a never ending um, task for me. I, I never want to feel like I'm complacent and like, all right, I've got this figured out. I can, I can do this now I can, uh, but it's always wanting to grow and, and learn and, and figure out how to be better. Um, so coach Pat, she has been instrumental um, for me, especially during those tough years. And you know, what's rewarding too, 
is she's had some tough years as well. And the person that she reaches out to, in addition, I know she has a few other um, friends and mentors in the game, but she reaches out to me and what a humbling um, experience that is. And uh, I just, I'm forever grateful for, for her. Um, a few others, uh, Tiffany Osborne over at Denison um, in Ohio, she is just truly a light in the game, a light in life. I mean, the, this, this woman brings so much positivity and energy and has just really helped me figure out how to see kind of the glass half full at times when it's really easy not to. And uh, she's been just instrumental in, in helping maintain that positivity and, and just a phenomenal human being. And then, you know, a few others, uh, Lacey Wood, she was the associate head coach at Harvard. She's now the head coach at Ball State. Um, I, I, I think she'll be moving to the Power Five here pretty soon. Um, I don't know if, if she'll be listening to this ever at some point, but um, that's my prediction. So she's been great. And then Jenny Allard, who's now the, who is the head coach at Harvard, um, talk about just the work ethic and the time and the ability to work with high academic student athletes and find that balance um, in the Ivy League and compete at a really high level is someone who I really, really look up to. You're a Mainer through and through. How do you connect with these folks from all over the country? Oh, heck yes, I am, Aaron. Um, love Maine. Uh, so there is a high academic camp that's called Head First Honor Roll, um, and they host these camps uh, from all over the country, uh, or, or they host them all over the country, sorry. And um, they bring in, you know, some of the, the best coaches from the highest academic schools. And I've been going to the Head First camp since their very first inaugural camp. And meeting coach Pat there really kind of kicked things off. I saw she was sitting by herself over at a field, um, no other coach, how it's structured. There's usually more than one coach. And so she was sitting, she was evaluating some of the pitchers behind this backstop. And I just sat down next to her and I don't know what it was, but something came over to me that was just like, okay, ask this person a question to just try to pick their brain. And so I sat down next to her and I was like, hi, coach Pat. I'm, you know, Mikel Barnes. Um, I, I'm really a huge admirer of, of you and what you've done for our game. Uh, as a young coach, I'm 24. Do you have any piece of advice that you would offer? And we still talk about this to this day. And she, when she presents at our national convention, she brings up the story of, and, and it's kind of just trying to encourage young coaches to, to reach out and not be afraid to put yourself out there and ask hard questions. And um, her, her piece of advice in return was, be yourself. And, you know, you're, you take so much information from all kinds of different coaches and a lot of coaches try to emulate that. So it would be really easy for me to come in and try to run the Bates program. Like I knew it was at the Bowdoin program, but if that's not authentic and true to who I am holistically, then it's not going to work in the long run. And so that was a really huge piece of advice because I didn't know any different. And I, I loved my experience at UMF. Uh, I would not be here if I didn't go to UMF, but it's vastly different from a Bates in, in terms of competition and in terms of conference play and what the expectations are. So I didn't really have much of an experience other than volunteering at Bowdoin for two and a half years. And 
her piece of advice, be true to yourself. You know what you're doing. You're here for a reason. You put the work in, you paid your dues, trust that. Always want to grow and learn, um, but trust what's gotten you here. So that was huge for me, especially to hear at 24 years old. You mentioned the level of competition in the NESCAC. Um, as someone who starred at UMF, you're the conference player of the year. Well, I mean, I'm sure you played NESCAC teams in non-conference games, but do you sometimes, sometimes think about how, how I would have done as a player in the NESCAC? Oh, I definitely do. Yeah. And, you know, listen, I'd be lying if I said if I didn't go back and look at some of the box scores of when I played Bates, Bowden, and Colby. Right, right. And um, I, did all, I did pretty well against yeah. those schools too. So um, I, I definitely, you know, I definitely feel like uh, – I definitely feel like I, I would have been okay. You mentioned the, you know, the adjustment period and everything. What are some things you've learned about college coaching through the years now? I mean, you're, you're, you've been at Bates for a number of years at this point. So what are some key takeaways you've had so far? I think first and foremost, patience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I first, when I first came in, like I said, that those first two years, it was the team that I inherited and we had some really great talent on that team. Um, the year before I got here, there were nine seniors that graduated. So it was almost kind of restarting, even though, uh, there was a good core that, that stayed, it was still restarting and rebuilding. And so learning patience through that learning, um, learning grace and, and staying humble. And I was checked so many times. I mean, heck we went five and 32 in 2015 and, how gut-wrenching that was. Um, You know, I remember my dad saying to me, you know, listen, at the end of the day, if this is going to make you a better coach, it's going to be worth it. And I think it was in two years turnaround or maybe three years turnaround, we then had the best record in program history. And that's remarkable to go from what we went to, to where we were at. And even, you know, last season, we haven't touched on that, but we were primed to have truly one of the best teams in the NESCAC, if not New England, and then beyond. And um, so learning patience to understand that uh, you have to believe in the process, even when it's not easy to, and even when it's easier to, you know, step outside of that. And um, so that, you know, that really showed me uh, a lot of self-will and and trust and I knew what I was doing and it was just sticking to that plan but also adjusting along the way because I didn't have everything figured out um, and I still don't and I'm okay saying that because um, that's how we get better and it's it's a really I think it's a really special thing that a person can do when they can self you know self-reflect and say, yes, I've got this in in check. I've got this, I've got that, whatever. Um, But being able to go beyond that scope and, and figure out um, what are some things that we can always do better and and having that uh, grace and vulnerability to be able to put yourself out there and say that I don't always have it right. And that's okay, but I hold myself accountable and uh, we'll continue to get it right and improve. Obviously nowadays, right now, it's a very, um, difficult time for any college sports teams, the spring sports. We don't know the status of this year. Don't want to speculate on that. Obviously you mentioned last year got cut very short, but you were able to practice with a team this fall. What was that like? I mean, what were you talking with them about? How, how were you, uh, how, um, working with them to get better in the fall? Yeah. You know, um, 
so we were able to, we had that window in October where we could practice. And I don't know if you remember back in October, but we had some really crappy weather. <laughs> it just so happened that that month, we just had some real crappy weather. Our indoor uh, facility is, is now being used as a dining hall. Um, baseball and softball have had it rough. Yeah. Uh, every sport has, of course. Um, but not having a facility, uh, not having, um, you know, the, we had a few, we had a few days, maybe two or three days in the, in October that, uh, were not two inches of rainfall. Um, when we had practices scheduled, it was great to just get the team together at times. Um, you know, we, the last two weeks, I think were when we were able to get our full group together, the first two weeks we did smaller groups, right. multiple sessions throughout the day. Um, but it's been hard. It's been really challenging and trying to figure out how to stay connected has not been easy. And, um, you know, it's, I try, you know, and I did this back in the fall, but I, I tried to prepare the team as best we could for kind of worst case scenario. Last year was almost this like blindsided, sudden death, it felt like. Right. Um, and I don't know what, what is worth if you are planning for it for a long time or if it is just sprung on you. It both hurt, but I can certainly tell you that last year was absolutely gut-wrenching. And so for the fall, you know, we just, just appreciating the time that we were able to get together. We had a couple scrimmages towards the end of October, um, when we had some daylight left. I mean, it was a crazy mix of, uh, all things compounding into just get out there, touch a softball, swing a bat and who cares, have fun, get to do this with people that you love, um, get to, get to be together and just enjoy that moment. Try to stay present as much as possible. You know, prepare that we don't know what the spring will shake out to be, um, but we can't control that. And so, you know, we have to be ready when our number's called. And um, in the meantime, do what we can to try to stay connected. And like I said, I'd be lying if I told you it was, it was it's been hard. It has been very hard. Well, and the only consolation, I guess, is that all the other programs in the NESCAC are basically in the same boat. I mean, very, yeah. at least a very similar boat, I suppose. But I mean, have you talked to other NESCAC coaches or other coaches around the country about how they're handling things? So we, um, we're actually having a NESCAC coaches uh, Zoom tomorrow to check oh. in and, and say hi to everybody. So we've done, you know, some, we have a text group that we, uh, that we send off uh, here and there, you know, messages. So tomorrow will be like more of a bigger check-in. Um, I think everyone's just trying to prepare for what could be. And um, my take on things is like I said, when our numbers called, we'll be ready. Um, in the meantime, just try to work on some mental health. This year has been tough in so many different capacities. Uh, obviously January has been a massively huge month, uh, in terms of current events and what's taken place across our, our country. So, uh, I know personally, my, my efforts are going a lot towards mental health right now and getting our minds and our, and our spirits and our hearts, right. Um, obviously trying to take care of our bodies as well in, in that meantime, you know, in the meantime there, but, um, there's a lot to digest and uh, you know, we try to do it as a team sometimes. And I think people are exhausted and that's okay. So 
working through that. I am hopeful that when we're all back on campus and we're able to get the group back together again, that um, we'll be able to jive and, and make those connections um, more so than what has been able to be possible over Zoom. So, sure. um, you know, definitely hopeful for that. I guess right now the answer might be like just being on the field, but in general, what's your favorite part of coaching? What, what makes you look forward to like in, in normal times, what makes you look forward to you know, going to practice, going to games and everything? I think it's sport is such a unique platform where you feel every single emotion in such a short time span. And you really don't get that in any other platform. You don't get that in the classroom. You don't get that really anywhere else. And so being able to process these feelings of, of excitement, of fear, of, of anger, of um, positivity, of self-doubt, of self-confidence, you know, uh, really across the spectrum, being able to process that with people who are sharing that same, uh, you know, experience, I think is really, really powerful. And I think it brings this um, uniting aspect that we miss in so much other places of our lives. And so I think that's really powerful. And, and so a derivative of that would obviously be the relationships because we go through these experiences together and, and because, um, you know, we try to share this common goal and, and enact um, together to, to reach those goals. Um, we build these relationships and um, I'm looking for it. I'm actually having dinner with two alums tomorrow night. Um, I have an alum who, who reaches out to me at least once a week, uh, to just touch base about certain things. She's a, she's a, a teacher and a coach as well. Um, so to me, that's the most fulfilling, uh, you know, when we can build these relationships and, um, I hope that shows that I'm having an impact because I definitely know that they're impacting me. And um, I, I think back to my experience of, of being a student athlete. And I got to be honest, being a student athlete's a lot easier than being a coach. <laughs> um, but thinking back to my experience as a student athlete and how those are my best memories from college. Um, those are my best friends now. And it's such a powerful um, lifelong commitment that you have with these people and you share certain things with them um, from across the emotions, from across certain experiences that, that can't be broken and can't be simulated, like I said, in any other platform. Awesome. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share? It sounds like it summed up pretty well, but any other thoughts you wanted to share about coaching we haven't got to talk about yet? You know, I, I think we have to continue just putting one foot in front of the other. And uh, it's not always easy to do that. It's certainly under the umbrella of, of what we've had in the rain that we've had uh, this past year. But um, trying to maintain that perspective and, and being where your feet are and, and then putting one foot in front of the other. And uh, that would be my um, last piece of coaching tips right now as we move forward into second semester. So whoever listens to this, um, that's what we have to do. And I think we have to do that while supporting each other. 
Um, and, and that's, you know, that's my goal. We'll take one, one little step at a time and, um, we'll figure it out as we go. And, and this is going to be one of those years where that's just going to be what it is. And, um, you know, that's hopefully at the end of the day, if it makes me a better coach, um, <laughs> going through some of these challenges, um, I'm all for it. All right, Mikkel Barnes, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. John Martin was hired as Bates Baseball's head coach in August of 2016. In his first season at the helm of the team, he led the Bobcats to their third-ever appearance in the four-team NESCAC tournament. He followed that up with another appearance in the NESCAC tournament in 2018, and in his third season at Bates, Martin was named the 2019 NESCAC Coach of the Year. After leading the Bobcats to a 19-17 overall record and a 9-3 record in NESCAC East Division play and a berth in the four-team NESCAC Championship Tournament for the third straight season. Kind of how it all started for me was I I went into college thinking I was going to uh, major in business and work in, in some sort of a business um, career. And, and my father was a businessman, and I thought I was going to kind of go into that maybe or something similar to that. And um, I took my first uh, econ class and and worked like crazy to get a C and got, and got out of there. And I said, Oh boy, like, this is not what I want. Um, and I thought about baseball and how much I loved it. And, um, I got into, to, to majoring in physical education and I got certified to teach health and phys ed, uh, K through six. I was going to teach the, the young kids. And, um, when I graduated, I still wasn't sure that that's the career I wanted to pursue. And I still wanted to stay on the college level somehow. So my coach uh, at the time was Percy Abel, who was my head coach. He was, he was the head coach at Lynchburg for 20 years um, and kind of made me an offer and, and said, Hey, why don't you stick around and be a graduate assistant and, and go to graduate school. And, and that's kind of how I started into college coaching. And uh, I've been here ever since. So, your coaching guys, your teammates with, right? The previous year, right? As an assistant now, what was that adjustment like for you? It was tough. You know, it was something that I think um, I was ready for. And I, I think it's something that, that most guys, if you're really, or any, any athlete, when you, when you graduate and you're ready to, if you want to get into coaching, um, you're ready to make that, that separation, right? And you're ready to, um, to be a mentor and be a coach and be professional um, with your relationships that you have with your, with your teammates um, or former teammates. So uh, I, I kind of had a, a quick meeting with all the guys and just said, look, I'm here to help you. I'm, I'm here to be, um, you know, a positive asset to this program. Um, I'm not here to, uh, to be, you know, bossy and, and, and run you into the ground or anything like that. I'm here to help you be a better team and better player. And uh, they all understood it. And it really wasn't a difficult transition for me. Uh, but I was also very fortunate that I was surrounded by a lot of great people there. And then how did you end up going from Lynchburg to Vassar, where you coached um, as a head coach for a number of years there? Craziest thing. So I, I finished graduate school at Lynchburg in 2003, um, was ready to see what, what else uh, the world could offer me and uh, get out of Lynchburg, Virginia. And I... Um, applied just out of the blue for a full-time assistant position at Vassar. The head coach there, Andy Barlow, who's now the head baseball coach at MIT, hired me. Um, 
and somehow I fooled him into into bringing me on his staff and and I was there for 14 years total and I uh, once he left and took the job at MIT I was able to kind of maneuver into the position and uh, and I stayed there ever since so um, totally random that I found Vassar College but uh, great experience great place great people once again um, and we did a lot of good things there. What was the first couple of years uh, running the show at Vassar like for you? Challenging, for sure. Um, we were we weren't a highly competitive program. My first two years there, we didn't have a facility on campus um, until we built one when I was there, and and so it was a it was a really uh, challenging uh, team as far as uh, com- creating a competitive atmosphere. Uh, but after a few years and and bringing in some players, and we built a facility and. Um, things started to change and, um, you know, you kind of start to see the bright side and uh, we eventually put together some some really good teams there. In terms of the recruiting aspect, I mean, how do you sort of learn how to do that kind of because that's sort of very unique to college coaching in particular, the recruiting aspect of then division three, you know, additional challenges with no athletic scholarships and whatnot. Right. So, um, I, you know, if if I had to coach, I mean, I'm a coach, that's what I do. And if I had to coach, in high school, I could do it and I would do it. Um, but I love the college level because I, I, I love the older kids working with the older students. Um, and I also, um, I like to recruit. I like to build my team. I, in high school, you kind of take what comes through the system each year. And here I can, I can address a, a need, um, for talent or positional or whatever the case may be. And I can go out and find that. And at a school like Bates, you know, we have a national draw, so I can go coast to coast and, and find players from, from anywhere. And it was like that at Vassar too. And I love that, that part of, um, of the recruiting, you know, process. Um, it's challenging. I think every young coach really works hard and, and, and tries to establish himself as a recruiter, but you know, when it comes down to it and you see players and you evaluate high school players, you like what you like. And, and you kind of start to see a pattern with certain players with their talent or their ability that you bring in, or even personality. It's kind of funny how a lot of guys that I coach now and have on the team now remind me of players that I had 13, 14, 15 years ago, you know? Um, and a lot of that is just maybe, maybe they come from a similar high school program or the same high school program. Um, maybe they, I noticed them on the recruiting trail because they have this one skill or or um, something on the field that I noticed that, hey, that reminds me of a really good player I had 12 years ago. And, and I go after him, you know, I don't know what it is, but, um, you know, you start to see those things. But you also see things every time, every summer I go out, every time I evaluate players, I see things I've never seen before. So um, it's changed a lot in over 20 years of doing this, I'll tell you that much. Who are some of your big mentors in the world of coaching? Um, people you go to if you have questions or you, you ask advice of throughout the years? Yeah. So, uh, I've got a bunch of them. I mean, I've got a lot of guys that I, I bounce things off of and some of them are, or, um, are even here in the NESCAC, to be honest with you. I don't, I, I try not to get, uh, you know, too much, too much, try not to give too much away, but, um, you know, I, uh, obviously my head coach, uh, coach Abel at Lynchburg was a, was a big part in pushing me along. Um, Andy Barlow, like I mentioned, Andy Barlow, um, at MIT is, is, is a great baseball guy with great experience. And, and he's really helped me along the way. His assistant coach, um, who is the, actually the associate head coach now, Todd Carroll, 
um, is a lifelong friend of mine. He's been a friend of mine forever, and he's a really good baseball guy. Uh, I bounce a lot of ideas and, and pitching things off of him. Um, and then, you know, still guys I talk to quite a bit are just assistant coaches that I've had work for me. You know, um, I mean, Andy Kirikides, um was an assistant coach of mine for about seven or eight years, and he went on to coach Division One baseball, and um, now he's working in, in the business sector, and, and he's uh, doing some other things. But I still talk baseball with him, and and obviously Deschler, you know, Coach Deschler. I, I talk to Desch all the time, and we uh, he's a very good young coach, and we talk a lot about, you know, what our plans are and recruiting and on all that. So um, mentors to me aren't just guys that had helped me, you know, that are older than me or helped me along the way. It's people that I, I still communicate with all the time now. And then for you, I know uh, some cool experiences you've had coaching um, overseas, right? Tell me a little bit about those opportunities you've had. Well, I, I think when I got into this, I, I wasn't really sure what was possible and what I could do with it. And you have to kind of think of being a coach as you're an entrepreneur, right? I mean, you make the, out of this career what you want to make out of it. And there's a lot of different things you can get into. Um, and part of that was for me was recruiting in camps. And I wanted to get a, on the camp circuit and, and um, establish myself there. And once I kind of got into it a little bit, I started to meet certain people at conferences, conventions, different camps. And you, you realize how spread out all over the world the game of baseball is. And I've been able to, to just link up with, with other coaches that I know and um, some certain outfits here. Planet Baseball was one of them that I helped uh, get started um, where we, we put together teams of players from across the U.S. and we go overseas and and compete and we've been you know we've been over to asia we've been to japan we've been all over europe south america i mean you name it and uh puerto rico quite a bit dominican um and it's just been an awesome experience and it's something that that i i really worked at but i also i mean i look at it and and the game of baseball has been so good to me you know i mean i've i've been able to see the world um all while playing this game you know so it's uh it's a pretty incredible thing when you look back at it and hopefully I still have some more to come. We'll see. Right. Obviously the moments, right. Moment in time right now, not in the best for college. Not right now. <laughs> no. how, how have you dealt with it with your team? It's challenging. It's really challenging. I think that we are all, um, you know, kind of looking for, for the light here at the end of the tunnel, trying to get out of this thing. Um, We've talked, we've, you know, I, I stay in communication. We had a good fall. It was good to have the guys back on campus in the fall. We got able to, we were able to get outside and we were able to, uh, you know, get some workouts in and, and, and get on the field in the nice weather. You know, I just try to keep in touch with them. I try to, to, to just talk to them as much as I can and, and find out what they're doing. And it's not always, you know, baseball, 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 all business. It's, you know, tell me, tell me what you did today. Tell me, tell me what you're doing now with your spare time. Some of these guys, you know, they're all over the country. I mean, we've got guys out on the West Coast and Hawaii and, and in the Florida Keys and everything else. And, you know, I'll talk to – I'll give some of them a call and they're on the golf course. Or I'll uh, give them a call and they say, hey, coach, like I'm on a paddleboard right now, you know, down in, in Florida. i got to call you back, you know. And, and they're finding ways to stay busy, but I know that they're ready to get back to campus. Um, and hopefully, you know, this spring we can uh, – we can get out and work out some more and, and uh, possibly play. I don't know. We're waiting to hear, but um, you know, I think, I think that uh, 
Um, the guys have made the most of it. I think they've kept a great attitude so far um, and stayed positive. And, um, you know, when you're 20 years old, 21 years old, you're pretty resilient to a lot of different things. So uh, I think they're doing all right. How would you describe your coaching style or philosophy? Uh, any people you model yourself out to, like, do you watch baseball on TV and see big league managers and what they do? Or is that not even comparable in terms of what you bring to the table kind of? Well, what you see a big league manager do on TV is, I mean, is, is a half a percent of what they do yeah. you know, every day. So that, that doesn't do it any justice. Um, I mean, you see them in the dugout hanging out with the guys and managing a baseball game. I mean, that's, that's, that's the fun part of, of what I get to do. Um, and, and, and also a small percentage, uh, you know, my biggest thing that I've, I've really simplified a lot of this over the years. And, and when I first started, I wanted to have, you know, a printed out document of my philosophy and, and everything. And I still have all of that, but when it comes down to it, I want a valiant effort out of my players and they want that out of me. Right. And as long as we both give that, we're going to be fine. Okay. When someone starts to, um, to pull back on that effort a little bit, right? And maybe it's not as great as it was at one point or is missing totally, then we start to have issues, right? And when you think about it, that's, that's what your boss wants out of you, right? I mean, uh, Bates pays me a salary to, to keep this program up and running at a high level, right? Um, and I, in turn, you know, have expectations out of Bates. I mean, it's just, that's how this works. And when we both work together, we're going to make great things happen. Um, and I want the guys to, to enjoy coming every day. I want them to enjoy coming every day because if they don't enjoy it and it's a drag and it's, it's, they don't look forward to it, then why are we doing it? You know, why are we doing it? I mean, we're all adults here. We are, we're, we're still involved with baseball. We're still playing this game at the college level because we want to be here and we want to do it, especially at a division three school. So, um, give me the effort and let's make it enjoyable for everybody. And, um, that's, that's my biggest thing when it all comes down to it. Right. The, the X's and O's, the, the strategies, all that, that all, kind of, that's all, that's all, that's the easy stuff. Right. That's the easy stuff. That's the stuff that, uh, you know, the, that's, that's the fun part of it. But for, for, to make it all work, we both give an effort. We meet in the middle and we enjoy coming every day and, and good things are going to happen. And then I'm curious about, um, moments during your career as a coach that really you remember like whether it be in game or maybe a big moment you had off the field even with like a student athlete or anything that stands out like uh, in your mind uh, th that you'll always remember i suppose oh well yeah oh man there's a bunch of those um i would say the the, the first time i i've clinched a postseason spot with a team for sure um and I would say, you know, some of the players that that I mean, I can think of two guys right now, um, one from Vassar and one from Bates that um, really made it all. I mean, you look back at, at what they did and it, it's just incredible. And uh, the one at Vassar's name is A.J. Kim and A.J. was relentless, relentless that he was going to be um, our starting catcher and um, his first couple of years didn't play much at all. And then 
Next thing you know, he's a junior. His uh, he's he's still the backup. The guy gets th- that he's behind gets hurt in the first game of the season, like the ninth inning of the first game of the season. He breaks his ankle. He's out for the year. We didn't have it. We had two catchers, rostered catchers. We had an extra, you know, a third catcher, but he was kind of a utility guy. And AJ caught every inning the rest of the season for the next two years. And in my opinion, was the best catcher in the league and um, worked so hard and was relentless, didn't let anything get to him. Um, And that's how you got to be, right? It wasn't working out for him and he kept pushing and got what he wanted out of it. Uh, Now he's very successful right now. And I would say the one from Bates, I mean, Justin White. I mean, Whitey, my guy, like this, I mean... (laughs) What a story. I mean, it's just incredible that, uh, you know, what he was able to do while he was here. And, uh, you know, he's another one that I tell guys that that things aren't going well for him or they want more playing time or they're not happy with this and that. Keep pushing, right? Trust the process. Keep pushing. Things are going to happen. You've just you've got to believe in it. Um, don't doubt anything. Keep doing what you're doing. And, um, and, and those are two examples right there of guys that, uh, I, I was just, I'm proud to, to have been their coach for sure. Yeah. And for anyone who wants to learn more about Dustin White, we need a video piece on him. You can just search his name on and Bates college on YouTube and you can find it pretty easily. I think so. Absolutely. What he was able to accomplish. Um, you know, in terms of like, are you a goal setter for a team at the beginning of the year? Do you do that? Or I know some coaches do some don't, what's your philosophy there? Yeah, we set goals. Um, but they're simple. I don't want. Uh, I don't. I don't want to get too in detail um, with goals. They're they're certainly attainable. They're they're um, team oriented. If we if players want to talk about personal goals, then that's fine too. We can do that also. Uh, but they're you know as far as team goals do. Yeah, I mean, and they change every year, right? They change every year. But it's just it. it it's what does this team want to accomplish? What do we think we're capable of doing? And I think it's important when you set those goals to every so often go back and reevaluate them and see if you're on track. Um, and if you're not, you can revamp them or, um, you know, or, or continue on course. But I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I think goals are important. I think it gives you just kind of something to work for. I think we all have to set goals in life to get things accomplished. You've touched on this, but what do you really enjoy most about coaching? What's, what's the one thing that you, if someone asks you, why do you coach? You say, this is the main reason. Oh man, that's a complex question there. Um, or my answer is complex. It, there's so much to it. I mean, I, I can't imagine myself doing anything else at this point. And um, if I'd be in big trouble, if I had to, let's put it that way, because I don't know how to do anything else. I like it all. I like the late night bus rides coming back. You know, I, I like, uh, I like the cold practices. You know, I, I, I like, I still enjoy all that. Like I'm not, I'm not done with the game. There's no doubt about it. Um, But I also, I mean, just seeing what my players do once they get out of their college years and um, they start their own family and they, they have their careers and, and, um, you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll kind of go through years of, of rosters that I've had and, and Google, Google names just to see what guys are doing for careers now. And, and it's really rewarding, you know, especially if there's something that I know that, that uh, the two of us, you know, worked on, um, you know, to accomplish in their four years here, like really set a, a course to do something um, 
which is not all of them, but, but there are some guys that, uh, you know, we really, we, we put some work in on some, some issues and, uh, and it's great to see what they've accomplished and it makes you proud as a coach for sure. Awesome. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share? We haven't on to talk about in terms of coaching. No, I just, uh, I love what I do. Um, you know, my dad told me when I was younger, he said, uh, I'm going to give you this about choosing a career. If you ever wake up in the morning and you dread what you're doing every day, find something else. And um, he hit the nail on the head with that one. And uh, that, I've been very fortunate and very lucky that, uh, you know, that hasn't been the case for me. So I still enjoy waking up every day and uh, hopefully putting a team together this spring. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll start our senior salutes with our fall sports athletes, starting with our volleyball program. Hear from the senior captains next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates.